We are at week five of a five-week series. We, it was started out as a four-week. I changed it a little bit, and we went to a five-week, and I changed it because of what I wanted to do here today, <coughs> this, this particular message. <coughs> and so we are, we are going to dig into this message here today. Uh, today's message is entitled, God Honoring Intimacy. Now, you all need to know that this is rated PG, 13, so my suggestion is anyone younger than 13 that you would send your kid off to Life Kids, they'll have a blast, they'll have a ball there, that's for sure, and so you're, you're, they're going to hear things that maybe you wouldn't want them to hear. So I just give you that forewarning as we go into this. We are, um, today we're going to conclude our follow, um, excuse me, our vow series that we've had. We're going to conclude it with vow number five. I'm not going to read the other four. I have a limited time that that I can speak today, so I'm not gonna be able to go in great detail on things, but I think you're gonna get it, and it's your responsibility to dig into God's word yourself and to figure out what God is saying after you hear things like this today. I'm excited about this, this is gonna be great. Vow number five of our, of our vow series, it says this, I promise you love in action with God honoring intimacy. I promise you love in action with God honoring intimacy. If you have your smartphones and you want to follow along, everything is going to be projected on the screens behind me so you can follow along. Um, I'm going to shorten some of our verses and all that other stuff, which is this first one, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9. It says this. It says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Enjoy life with your, with your wife whom you love whom you love. Today, we are going to talk about great sex. We're going to talk about great sex. Now, I don't want you to raise a hand, but I just wonder how many here never thought that they would ever hear those words coming from a pastor on a Sunday morning with a sermon. Well, that's the way it is. This is what we're doing. We're going to talk about great sex. Um, and I want to, first, I want to welcome all who are here today. Again, we know that you have been welcomed, and, and I'm just thrilled that you're here today. It means a lot. The weather's a little bit iffy, so I understand why attendance could be down today. That's okay. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here, especially those of you who are for the very first time at Word of Life. Look at that, your first time here and I'm, the pastor's talking about sex. Now that's, that should be a good sign to you that you should keep coming to Word of Life Church. Anyhow, but anyhow, anyhow. Um, <laughs> second, first, second, and third time guests. Um, and just so you know, FYI, I do a marriage series every year. Sometimes my wife does it alongside of me. Um, this time she wasn't able to, but uh, we, we do a series every single year on marriage and family and all that other stuff. We're gonna be digging into the Bible today. There are 66 books in the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament combined, 66 Bibles. And one of the 66 Bibles that we're going to be dealing with is called the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. And uh, we're going to be digging into that book with a very powerful love story between a man and his wife. It really is a great love story about the depth of their relationship and how they both respected and understood how to love in a God-honoring way as a husband and as a wife, because there really is a big difference. There really is a really big difference between God's way and plan of love relationships and the world's way and the world's thought behind that. I'd like to have our video of our Word of Life people who are going to share a little bit about their experience with all that. Let's give us our first video. Hi, my name is Jason Phipps. This is my wife, Shauna. We've been married 6,391 days. And, uh, Which equates to 17 years, almost 18 though. It was March. It was February and we were walking and we were walking and I knew it was coming because he flew up from Texas. So I knew it was coming. 
and we were walking and walking more and walking more. And finally, after probably an hour and a half of walking around, he fessed up and said, I've been trying to figure out what I wanted to say because I wrote it down, but there's, it's pointless. So he asked me to marry him and I said, no. <laughs> and so then he asked me again and I said, of course I would. And that's kind of the fun beginning of our engagement. No, she's wrong about half of that stuff, but I won't argue. Not true. That's how we've been married 17 and a half years. <laughs> He doesn't argue. It's a good relationship. <laughs>
most women know, most women know that their man really needs a little bit of work in this department of their life. And regarding sexual intimacy, we know that uh, the way that men approach all of this, men are more like a microwave uh, in this whole subject, zip, zap, and it's over. And then for a woman, she's more like a crock pot dealing with sexual intimacy. Nice and slow, completely the opposite of how us men are. So in our first quality, what I want to do is that uh, uh, we need to understand, especially the men, that God-honoring, love-making starts long before the bedroom. Long before the bedroom. And I want to point out to you this morning how Solomon honors his bride. Let, let me just touch on that just for a moment right here. Um, I, I want to uh, point out to you how he honors his bride above himself. Song of Solomon, chapter four, there are 16 verses, as I mentioned before, 15 of the verses, the first 15 verses, it's Solomon who's speaking. And on verse 16 is when the Shulamite woman, his wife, when she says something. So I, I want to point out to you how Solomon honors his bride, compliments her, how he builds her up, how he has conversation with her all in this time in the, in the honeymoon chambers, uh, how he has conversation with her, how he pays very close attention to the details of her life. And by the way, just so you know, just so you know, while both of them are still fully clothed and all four feet are are standing on solid rock ground or in a bedroom or wherever they may be. But they're not in bed, they're not laying down, just so you know. So let me go with Song of Solomon chapter four, verse one. I'm gonna go through all the verses, uh, all of the verses of this, and so you need to follow along with me. Again, I may be a little bit quicker than usual, but I'm doing it because of time. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter four, verse one. Listen to this, he says, how beautiful you are, oh darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is, is, a, is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. There's a lot that I could talk about right there, but I'm not going to again. I just want to get to the point. Now, she, in this verse, he's, she's talking or he's talking about the veil, talking about the veil. So we know for sure this is at the completion of the wedding. The ceremony is done and they're now heading toward their suite. They're heading toward their, their special place of where they're going to come together. And... Uh, and gentlemen, I want you to look at the verse that I had. If you just keep that up for a moment, put that verse back up there. I want you to think of this for a moment. What, what, where are his eyes centered? What is he looking at as he goes into these chambers with his wife? What is he looking at? The answer is easy. There's two of them. He's looking at her eyes and he's looking at her, ear, at, at her hair, not her ears, at her, at her hair. Um, let me just explain that real quick. You see, Jewish women, typically they have long, dark hair. Um, it's always up in a bun, up in a bun, and, and now, now she's, she's ready to let her hair down. They're walking to the chambers. They're about ready to get intimate, and as they're doing that, she takes her hair down, and this is sort of what it looks like. A woman doing that, not a guy. I mean, that looked, that looked rather gross. The men are puking all over the place right now, but it, it, that's what a woman does. But the point is, the point is, as she does that, he likes it. He likes it. When she puts that hair down, he likes it a lot. He likes what he sees, and he ends up telling her that, telling her what he sees. So Solomon starts with, with uh, her eyes and her hair, and to him, she's extremely, extremely sexy in everything she's doing. And what he's doing is he's working his way down her body, down her body, literally and intentionally, 
He, he, he starts with the eyes. He starts with the hair. He starts with the eyes. And now he's beginning to go down the body. Go with me to, to verse two of that same chapter. He says, your teeth, this is a little bit funny. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from a washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Not one of them is alone. Now, this again, this is a little bit funny, a little bit awkward, but he looks at her and he says something like this. He says, I'm so glad that you brush your teeth. You brush your teeth. You, it just is, and, and you not only brush your teeth, but you have all of them in your head. You're not missing a single tooth. I'm missing a tooth or two. I got three or four teeth that are not in my head. But anyhow, you, don't, you, you, have, you have all of your teeth. Let me get serious with what he's saying here. He's saying something like, that. it's beautiful. He's saying, your smile is generous and it's full. It's ex expressive and it's strong and it's clean. You can see when teeth are clean. It just, it's enticing. It's beautiful. Verse three, he goes on to say, he says, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. He's saying something like this. He's saying your, your lips, they're ruby red. They're ruby red. And your mouth is elegant, inviting. Your cheeks are soft and radiant. They would have with a, a reddish tint to them being pome, pomegranate. Uh, it, it would have that, that look to it. And then, let me just say this to you ladies, and it's okay to say amen to what I'm gonna say to you, so if you agree with me on this, go ahead and, and, and agree with an amen. But ladies, don't you, don't you appreciate how Solomon is approaching his bride on his wedding night? Aren't you glad to hear how he's doing, the steps that he's taking so that she doesn't feel fearful or hesitant whatsoever? If you agree with me on that, give me an amen, ladies. Give me an amen. I'm glad that you've said that because I, I see that myself. Verse four of that same chapter, and it says these words. He says, your neck is like the Tower of David, built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, and all of them are shields of warriors. What he is saying here is something like this. I admire, I admire not only the fact that you're beautiful, not only that you're, you're hot, but he's saying something like this. You're also noble. You're noble. You're, you're regal. There's an eloquence about you. Now listen, when, when you see a woman and her head is always down, her shoulders are sort of shrugged forward and she doesn't have a confidence in her, it's not very attractive. I mean, it's okay, but it's not attractive. But when there's someone who has the regal, when there's someone who has the eloquence to it all, when he says to her, when you walk down the streets, people stare at you and admire you because of the beauty and the splendor of who you are. You are a wonderful woman. Gentlemen, don't turn me off when I'm talking about this stuff. I know you want to get right to the juicy things, but this is important. God wants you to know this. This is in the Bible. This isn't my book. This is God's book. And God wants each and every one of us to know all of this stuff. These things are important. And I hope your computer, guys, is taking these things in and beginning to change your life from the inside out. This brother is teaching us men something that we all need to know so that we can do things better. I've been married 45 years to my high school sweetheart. I need to still learn. I need to still know how to do things better than ever before. So he's, he's talking to her and he hasn't touched her yet. He hasn't touched her physically yet as they walk into their chambers. And he doesn't for 11 verses. We're on verse four right now, but 11 verses before he actually touches her. And you may be wondering, well, Pastor, why would he, why would he not touch her? Well, I think there's two reasons. Reason number one, I think he's Superman. 
And number two, I think because unlike the world, God honoring great sex is affirming. It is affirming. It's emotional support. It's encouragement. It's affirming. In other words, he's saying something like this. I admire you deeply. Before I touch you and make love with you, I want you to know that you're not only beautiful, but I admire you. There's something about you that is beyond, beyond the normal, beyond what we would, we would normally see. I admire you. God honoring great sex is affirming. Let me make something clear that most everybody knows in this room, but to understand and declare it today, women are greatly aroused through their ear, ear gate. And us men, guys, we're aroused through our eye gate. And what they hear, what they hear at this point of lovemaking is the most important thing to a woman. How genius, how genius our, our brother was to know how important these words are to women, to our wives. We get to know this. We get to understand this. And God wanted you to know. God wants you to know all these things that we're talking about. And since God honoring lovemaking starts, starts long before the bedroom, um, why not start today? Why not start something today or tomorrow? Why not shoot a text to your wife and just say some things to her like, I can't get you off my mind. Or, or, or text her and say to her, I couldn't be happier with anybody but you. I love you so much. Or, or how, about, how about paying attention to her when you get home from work and she starts telling you some of the details of the day and then blow her mind by repeating back to her some of the things that you said because they believe we never listen to them. And we do, don't we, guys? Amen. Yes, we do. We listen to them. How about this? How about if as, as a uh, person moving forward with his wife, uh, how about maybe doing something spiritual with her? How about when you hear of something going on in the family or something going on somewhere, somehow, what if you were to be someone who would just put your arm around her and say, can we just pray just for one minute? Mary Ann and I do that a hundred, that's exaggerated, quite a few times a day. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. Just do something like that. What if, what if that was to happen? Or maybe even another thing is, is like at church, if she's sitting next to you, how about if you were to begin to do something like this where my hands are at? What if, while well, some of the songs, and these songs have been great, man, what if you were to begin to raise your hand a little bit? What if she was to hear you pray? You see, when you are spiritually intimate, it, become, it becomes more natural to become emotionally intimate that in turns lead to deeper intimacy. Deeper intimacy for you and I. So Solomon does not touch her until verse 11. And when he does, it begins with a kiss, and the powerful kiss it really is. In God-honoring sex, lovemaking starts long before the bedroom. Long before the bedroom. Number two, point number two, God-honoring great sex is passionate and tender. God-honoring great sex is passionate and tender. Now get ready because we're going to begin to see some passions here. As he continues to make his way down his, his wife's body, um, moving to the, uh, one of my favorite parts of my wife's body. Um, let's go to Song of Solomon chapter four, verse five. Go with me to verse five. And let me just say the first two words. Solomon says, your breast. Yeah, he says, your breast. Now, I know some of you don't know me at all, but some of you have known me for a while. And you know, I always, always, always want to be 
doing the will of God. Whatever he says in his word, I do my best to follow after that in his word. And I don't know if you know this, but in Proverbs chapter five, verse 19, it says these words, not projected, but it says these words, let her breast satisfy you at all times. And like I said, I want to be obedient to God's word, and so I'm gonna follow this one to the T, to the T. 25, 30 years ago, I used to be a rather committed deer hunter. I, uh, I especially loved hunting deer. And those bucks, of course, some of you guys and women who do hunt, you know that, uh, you know that the bucks typically are very smart. They're really smart. And unless they're in the rut, they're, they're, they're careful. And being in the rut means is that there's a female around and he has smelled that she is in heat. And when, when that happens, normally the buck will never go out into the open field. He'll only stay around the, the hedges because he's smart and he doesn't want to get shot. But should a doe show up, should a doe in heat show up, he then goes into the rut and his nose is to the ground. He gets dumb and dumber as every moment goes by and bam, you've got yourself a trophy. All because of a woman in heat and that that that. Uh, that male deer, that buck. Go with me back to verse five. Let me read the rest of it. It says this. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Now, I'm pretty sure, pretty confident, everybody, most everybody would know a little bit about the little fawns, those two baby deer, those two little deers. And should you come out of the back of your house and you see two little fawns, you should never just go up and say, hey, what's up, twin fawns? Because if you did that, if you just, hey, what's up, twin fawns? All of a sudden, you're going to see the fawns start going away from you. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna run away because of how you approach them. And, uh, and that means exactly what you're thinking that it means, um, gentlemen and ladies. Um, that's why, gentlemen, approach matters. Approach matters. Always be gentle and tender, caring and careful. Approach matters. Right, ladies? Ladies, are you listening? Approach matters, right? How your husband approaches you. It, it matters to, to our ladies as well. Gentlemen, approach matters long before the bedroom. Uh, work on your approach and affirm her. Ladies, I want to say this to you. Let me talk to you for a moment. Approach matters with you as well. Approach matters with you. Make an approach. Any approach. Whatever you've got, whatever it is, make an approach to your husband. But it better not be with flannels on. It better be with satin because that works really well for us men. Put something sexy on and make an approach. Affirm your man, ladies. And ladies, he wants, to, he wants you to want him out of desire. He wants you to be with him because you want to be with him instead of out of obligation. The obligation stuff just doesn't work for our guys. Well, maybe it does 50% of the time, maybe 60%. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, when you move toward him, when you move toward him that way, ladies, oh my goodness, he, he just feels like a king. He feels strong. He feels mighty that his wife is moving toward him in this direction. He feels like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, just in case you were wondering, wondering. When you restore affirmation and tenderness, when you restore affirmation and tenderness, what happens is this, is great love happens, great sex happens, and a great marriage even gets stronger. Go with me to verse six, verse six of the same chapter. 
I'm going to break this verse down into two parts, and I'm going to ask you if you just leave the screen up just for a few moments while I get through this point, because I'm going to do part one and part two. This verse six, they are now, they are in their chambers, and the time for intimacy is about ready to begin at, at a deeper level, at, at a much deeper level. It's about ready to begin. And listen to what Solomon says, verse, verse six. He says these words. He says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Until the day breaks and the, fado- and the, uh, and the shadows flee. He says something like this in this verse. He's saying, all night long. <laughs> all night long. If I had that song, I'd be playing it right now. All night long. He says, I'm gonna be with you all night long. I'm, no, I'm in no hurry. I just want to be with you. The second part of the verse, he goes on to say, I want to go to, I will go to the mountains of myrrh and to the hill of incense. I will go to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of incense. Now, what you're, what you're hearing now and what you're, you're seeing here is um, Solomon is actually naming her breast is what he's doing. He's talking about what it is that, that he is seeing and what he has. He says that he is, he is, um, he is naming the two mountains um, and, and yes, this is in the Bible. This is, this, is, this is a way to move toward your spouse in intimacy. It's in the Bible and you've gotta read the Bible more often because this kind of stuff is fun. A lot of people don't even know this stuff is in the Bible. But this stuff is fun. And a lot of people say that God is boring, he's dry, he's old-fashioned. And I don't know about you, but I don't think so. I mean, we're just really beginning here. Uh, yes, sex is for procreation, in case you didn't know. But also, second time I've warned you of that, uh, sex is also for pleasure. And the Bible tells us that. It's for pleasure. God has given us sex for, for pleasure. This is God's idea. It wasn't the devil's idea. Uh, one, one whole book in the Bible is dedicated, dedicated to human relationships, and one full chapter of that book is dedicated to the honeymoon, to a honeymoon between a man and his wife, and it's incre- in, incredibly a passionate kind of thing. Verse number, uh, number three, point number three today, God honoring great sex is built on absolute trust. God honoring great sex is built on absolute trust. In verse seven of that same chapter, he says, you, all toge- you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Solomon says to her, he says, to me, you are absolutely beautiful. Gentlemen, I, I'm wondering right now as I said that, how many of you say that to your wife? How many of you say those words? You used to. I mean, in the beginning, you always said it. But what about now? When was the last time you said that to her? You are absolutely beautiful, perfect in every way. We need to learn that, that uh, in the intimacy of marriage to always respect one another's body. Never, never, never under any circumstance should you ever say anything as you're moving sexually toward one another. You should never say anything that would be negative about your spouse's body. Never, ever do that. I don't even know if you should say it without sex, you know, I, especially if you're mad. Don't, don't ever say that. Uh, Marianne and I, we got married when we were both 18 years old. And, you know, we were just out of high school. We graduated high school, and November 16th, we were married. And as a result of that, here's Marianne and I. And then when we were 29 years old, our body looked a little bit different than it did when it was 18 years old. And then when we became 35, it was different than when it was 39. When I was 52, it was different than when I was 35. And when I was 62, it was different than when, when, it was, when I was 52. I, you, you understand. The body changes. And the only thing I can say is gravity 
generally takes over. And ladies, that's all I'm gonna say about it. That's the only thing I'm gonna say about that. But for us guys, typically our hair falls out. Um, certain things don't work the way that they used to work. And you feel a little bit insecure. You feel like, like maybe you're falling apart. And like everything is coming to an end. But let me tell you again, this particular area that we're dealing with, great sex is built on absolute trust. It's built on absolute trust. So Solomon says to her, he says, I want you to know that when, when you are with me in these private chambers, Solomon's saying, saying this, you are in a safe place. You are absolutely beautiful to me. And there is no flaw in you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry what I'm gonna say. You're, gonna, you're just gonna, I want you to know my love. I want you to feel my love. I want you to know you have no flaw in you. This is really an incredible moment when you're sharing absolutely everything about, uh, about yourself to someone, someone who's a rather new person in your life. It wasn't somebody that you grew up with more than likely. And never, never more vulnerable than right now at this particular time, right there and right then, will you ever be in that relationship. All of us have, uh, all, all of us are different. All of us have different needs. All of us are, have different needs as a male and as a fa female. All of us have different physical and sexual needs as well. But I want to share something with you that I think is really huge. Really huge. And I got to get going quickly here. Really huge. And that is you as a husband and you as a wife, you are your spouse's only legitimate outlet, outlet to, make their, to meet their sexual need. Let me say it again. You and your spouse's only legitimate outlet to meet their sexual needs are you. It's you. Let me say it a little bit more formal. Let me go a little bit deeper. You are the only scriptural legitimate way that your spouse, spouse's sexual's need, sexual needs will ever be met. You are the only scriptural legitimate way that your spouse's sexual needs will be met. And that's reserved only for a husband and his wife. So if you pull back, sir, ma'am, if you pull back and if you start to put a distance between you and your spouse sexually and your spouse has no other, no other God-honoring God outlet, let me talk about the men first. For him, he's going to meet that need. Some way or another, he's going to meet that need. He, he will maybe find, he'll find it in his work or maybe he'll find it on a computer with all kinds of porn that's taking place. Or maybe, maybe with another person. And listen, I'm not justifying any of that. All of that is wrong. All of that is sin. All of that is destructive. All of that can lose and break a marriage completely apart. So I'm not, I'm not condoning that in any way. But the truth is, as husband and wife, we both play a role for that to be fulfilled in our spouses. You play a role in, in uh, creating that kind of rejection. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 5, and it says these words, but because there is so much, um, so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. This is in the Bible. Verse 4, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Verse 5, do not deprive each other sexual relations unless... You both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. But afterward, afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the Bible is telling us very clearly that there is a time that we'd come 
and do our own thing, but we come back together and we do that rather quickly. One of the most powerful, one of the most, pow- uh, one of the most powerful things a woman can do for her man is to be available, is to be there, to be available for him. And not just available, but to also be involved. Not just uh, available, but to be involved and to be available. Ladies, I want you to know that your emotional needs are just as important as his physical needs. And I will also say, and his physical needs are just as important as your emotional needs. And yes, sometimes, not often, but sometimes a woman's drive may get a little bit higher. Sexual drive may get a little bit higher than a man's drive. Thank you, Jesus. And and some of you, uh, uh, some of you, in fact, um, you may may or may not know this, but some of you may have heard uh, that a study came out not too very long ago, and it's really a pretty good study uh, about men who like to have sex on days that begin with the letter T. Um, it, it's somewhat authentic, and it seems to be pretty good. So it's it's a, a study that they did on men who would like to have sex on days that begin with the letter T. So Tuesday and Thursday, today and tomorrow. Tatterday and Tunday. <laughs> That's all he's looking for. <laughs> and how God-honoring and beautiful it really is when a man and his wife purpose to meet each other's needs. I want to start closing off and conclude. One of the greatest things that you can do, one of the greatest things that you can do in whatever stage of life that you're in is to lay down your own selfish desire so that out of that, you are able to meet the needs of your spouse. You can meet those needs. Go with me to verse nine through 11 of that same chapter. Listen to this. This is incredible. Hang with me. This is pretty, pretty deep. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice, verse 11. Your lips drop sweetness as a honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. This is the first time, verse 11, this is the first time that he touches her. This is the first time he kisses her as they go into their chambers, their honeymoon chambers. And actually, it's a kiss. And oh, it's not just a typical kiss. It's a French kiss that he's given here. You can see it in the scriptures. And it's up for you to want to agree or not agree with that. It doesn't matter to me. Verse four, number four, our fourth and last quality. God honoring great sex is holy. God honoring great sex is holy. What does holy mean? Holy means to be separate, to be different. Holy means to be pure in, in other ways where there's not purity, that you would be pure. Go with me to verse 12 of that same chapter. And you will find here, he says these words. Again, this is deep. Listen to me. Some of you may be offended with what I'm gonna say, but this is in the Bible. This isn't Randy Chiz. This is the Bible. He says these words in verse 12. He says, your garden, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. A sealed fountain. What he is saying to his bride is this. You're a virgin. You're a virgin. I, I can see it. This is our wedding night, and you saved yourself for me. You saved yourself for me. A garden that's locked up, 
In other words, he knows. No one else has touched you. No one, other, no one else knows you as I do. I am your first. Listen up. When you get married, when you get married, I mentioned this last week, I don't need to take any time with this at all. But when you get married, you don't enter into a contract. You enter into, you enter into a covenant. As Christians, we enter into a covenant. And a covenant is a binding spiritual agreement until death do us part. The promises that you made to each other, you said for the rest of my life, you said that. You said that. And that's what it is. So for that husband and for that wife, when it comes to sex, listen, sex is holy between a man and his wife. That's what the Bible is telling us here with these verses. Sex is holy between a man and his wife. Because every time you share in the gift of lovemaking, in a very real sense, you're renewing, you're renewing that covenant, those covenantal vows that you had with one another. And you're saying this, every time you have sexual intimacy, you're saying this, you belong to me and I belong to you. We are one flesh in the eyes of God till death separates us as long as we both shall live. Not only is our sexual intimacy fun and thrilling and passionate, and also it makes babies, the third time I've told you that in case you didn't know, but really, it is intensely spiritual as well. It really is. God wants it to be spiritual, and he's made it to be spiritual. To our younger generation that's here, to our unmarried that are, that are here among us today, I want to challenge you as we conclude. I want to challenge you that you would wait Please wait. Wait until you're married, would you please? And if you've, already, if you've already given in and you've already been a part of that in some way or another, start again today. How about if you would renew your relationship with God and just say something like this, God, I wanna do it your way. I want you to open the doors. I want you to do the miracle so that we can wait and that, Lord, we can come together as we should as, as husband and wife. I wanna challenge you with it because there's something very special on the other side that is powerful and holy and righteous, that is pure and beautiful. When you do this God's way, I'm telling you, it is a magnificent thing. It is an incredible thing, following after God and doing it his way. God has called every believer to be holy and set apart. He has something better for each and every one of us. My last verse is found in verse 15. Verse 15, Song of Solomon 4, 15. He says, you are a garden fountain, a well flowing uh, water streaming, a well, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon is what he is saying. He's saying this, he's saying her, her well is now opening before him. They're in the bedroom. Her sexuality is being given to this man. It's never happened before. And she's completely given herself over to him. Then she says, listen to her words. This is her in the Bible. Verse 16, awake, north wind, and come, south wind. Blow on my garden, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Listen, let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. This is probably the most erotic verse in the entire Bible. But this is in the Bible because God wanted you to know and he wants me to know and that we would really see our God as a pretty cool God. This is his idea. This is who he is.
So how do you close off a message like this? I say it this way. In James chapter one, verse 22, it says these words. James says to us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Would you stand with me to your feet? Could we have all of our intercessors please come on up at this time? Please stand to your feet. We're gonna sing one last final worship song of our worship set. And if you have any need whatsoever, these men and women have been praying and they're ready to pray for you right now, whatever your need would be. Maybe as a husband and wife team, a couple, maybe as uh, being an engaged couple, however you may be in your relationships right now, maybe you would take a moment and pray with each other. Maybe you would make a promise, a covenant with one another. I challenge you to do that. But you can come down for whatever need you have in your life. They will pray for you. We'll sing this last final song and we'll release you. Bear with us just for another three minutes.